Oh no. It's the American Soccer Show. Eric Alcantar, Emmett McConnell here with you as always, looking back at the week that was in American Soccer. The season is coming to a dramatic end. We had some big results this weekend, an elimination to do an obituary for, and big games to preview for this coming weekend. But before we get to all that, the biggest outcome of all from this weekend, congratulations to the San Jose Earthquakes on your 2018 wooden spoon. The greatest reward in all of sports. What a momentous season, and what a great reward to wrap up the San Jose Earthquakes 2018 year. Fantastic. It is fantastic, and uh, the news that apparently Mateus Almeida is getting paid $1.5 million. Now, that's just a rumor, I believe, but uh, that's that's a lot of money. That might be more that's than a- the U.S. coach gets paid this time around. Uh, they'll be expecting some pretty big... Uh, results of the paycheck that big. I mean, I, I'd have to imagine that puts him easily in top five of coaches in MLS, maybe top three. Just crazy, especially with Tata Martino on his way out. We'll see what the new guy gets. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they you know pull out all the stops as well to pay and get another top coach because they really want to keep things going. They're really waiting on Mourinho. Oh, my God. If, he, if that guy comes here... <laughs> I th- I'd like it. You know, you know what? I would like it. We all would. We all would. So, you know what I like? I like competitive races to the end of the season, and it looks like we're sort of getting that. It's not quite as chaotic as maybe it could have been, but we still got plenty of playoff spots up to up for grabs. We got a supporter shield up for grabs. History on both ends of the table still possible. You ready to get into this? What a great year it's been, and what a great podcast we're gonna have today. Oh yes, this I have a good feeling about this one. So we start Sunday. Everybody played on Sunday. Start on the east side. DC United beat NYC. FC 3-1, and this was after their Wednesday win over Toronto 1-0. I, I keep singing his praises, but Lucho Acosta, this is this absolute menace to society right now. I legitimately think he might be the best player in MLS right now, just the way he's playing. In current form, it's tough to argue. He's a bad man. I mean, I think it was... It was so difficult for him because of how bad the team was around him to shine, and he was still a great player on a terrible DC team. But it's amazing how, you know, you could look at a player and say, hey, you know, they're not very good. Is it possible that, like, San Jose or Orlando has this diamond in the rough who's going to be the best player in the in, in the country? Oh, man. I've said, I uh, Orlando? I don't think so. Oh. Yeah, I don't think so. It was, San, San Jose, it was a rhetorical question. San Jose has, like, good players that you think maybe if they were on a good team, like, maybe they could shine. But, no, uh, <laughs> that's a tough ask. I, this man's just playing out of his mind right now. Yeah, I mean, he absolutely torched that uh, NYCFC back line. And Wayne Rooney cannot sing his praises enough. No, he, he has cannot. been pra- louding the man ever since his arrival. And you can't blame him. I mean, as a forward, if a guy like that serving you, he makes Darren Maddox look like an average MLS forward. You know what's hilarious? <laughs> He's probably thinking to Wayne Rooney is probably thinking to himself, where was this guy at Everton? Could have really used a creator like this. Could have used this guy. We brought the Sigurdsson guy in instead. Oh, he. I, I put a. I put a fiver on the fact that he mispronounced Gilfy Sigurdsson's name every time he said it. Sigurdsson. <laughs> Sigurdsson. We when we brought in that lad Sigurdsson. He can't pass the ball. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, yeah, his connection with Rooney's been spectacular. Uh, you know, I was. At least I was. I, I remember when this first when this move was first announced, or at least it was highly rumored that Wayne Rooney was coming. I, I was concerned that we might be heading down the Steven Gerrard path, and now that they've clinched a playoff spot, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I'm going to go ahead and apologize for it, because whatever I said, it was not, D.C. United's making the playoffs now, and 
it's incredible what he's done and what what the whole team has done really to turn this whole thing around and I couldn't think of a more deserving team though yeah and I think you and me were talking back in early early August how we thought that DC this is just when they, you know their stadium was starting to get up and they were starting to get some good run of form but they were still you know bottom one two teams in the table we were saying that they had a real shot of making the playoffs and now it's confirmed it is DC is officially a playoff team uh, they cannot be knocked out four points ahead of Montreal going to the last game. And, you know, it's. I did have a moment in the podcast where I said, uh, you know, they're looking good, but Montreal, be careful of them. Montreal's still in it, but D.C. would not want to play them. On the other side, NYCFC. And is there any other team in this kind of form you'd rather play? Yeah, honestly, at this point, I don't know if there's another playoff team I'd rather play. Outside of maybe Columbus, who's just... <laughs> well, I got to tell you the truth. Columbus is really starting to back in. We'll talk a little bit about them in a minute. But yeah, look, they it's been really interesting to see NYCFC sort of just hit this free fall because they won five of their first six after Patrick Vieira's departure. But the Sins have only won two games. Their last three wins are against Orlando City back in July, Toronto in mid-August, and the Chicago Fire in late September. That is the definition of backing into the playoffs. And that could be a serious problem. I think the one thing they have going for them is they look pretty set to have a home field advantage going into this game. Um, I think it would be almost impossible for D.C. to overtake them on goal difference. So even if they have to play D.C. again, if the Union jumps them next week, or they play the Union at home, I'd say the decent chance of getting to the next round, and then, you know, two legs, tough for them to get any further, but that's past one game at least. I don't know. Looking on the bright side of things. I don't think it's that crazy to say they jump them in gold difference the way they're playing defensively. Philadelphia could open them up. Philadelphia not really incentivized, to be fair, to play for anything more, anything less than a win because for them, you end up in a situation where, and again, we'll talk about all of this, but D.C. United, <laughs> D.C. United's breeding down Philadelphia's back. And if Philadelphia gets jumped by D.C. United, they'll end up having to go to D.C. United. And I think we can both agree the Cinderella story will probably end there for Philadelphia. Meanwhile, the other Cinderella story, what other princess could you use? Snow White? The Snow White story, sleeping in the beginning? Sleeping in the of, beginning uh, and now <laughs> coming to rescue the story? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the, the seven dwarfs of Lucho Acosta and Paul Ariola come back and carry them to victory. I think that, uh, I like this, yeah, I like you wouldn't want to go there. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great story. Great. Uh, I'll tell it to you sometime. All right. But, that sounds uh, good. Yeah. NYCFC in trouble. DC in a great position. Would like to see Audi Field host a playoff game, to be honest. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it would be pretty cool. But anyway, standing in their way, of course, Philadelphia Union, we talked about it, did lose one nothing to the Red Bulls over the weekend at home. The Union do just barely get beaten, though, thanks to a VAR-awarded penalty scored by Kaku. Uh, another missed opportunity to jump into third, I'd say, because they've had, obviously, a lot of chances now with NYCFC being in such terrible form. And there's a real possibility DC United could host that first-round game and I don't think anybody, even even if as things stand, do you really want to host DC United either? Well, the thing is, we have seen DC playing like 11 of 13 of their last games at home. So it could be, we could be seeing something different on the road. Um, I think with their form, it would still be a pretty titanic fixture. Um, the, the thing with the Union is they were also, you know, not the same position, but they were pretty far off the race at one point. I think if you remember, they were in, seventh or eighth and this is when new england was in the playoffs in sixth place uh and they've kind of slowly been steadily rising while dc has just been rocketing up 
Um, but speaking on the Red Bull uh, Philly game, uh, tough for a Philadelphia supporter because there was a chance to catch New York City. I say it's a neutral. You get to see the Red Bulls close in on uh, the supporter shield race with Atlanta is exciting. Personally, I didn't think that VAR got it right for the penalty. Really? That's interesting. Uh, I thought it was questionable. I did think it was questionable. And so that's the thing is if he called it in the run of play and there was no VAR, you would say, okay, that's kind of harsh. But he gets VAR to look at it too and still brings it back across, you know, across the field. I don't know. I, per, I What I saw was Bedoya getting a bump from Bradley Wright Phillips in the air. He puts his arms out to brace for contact with Curry Burke, and the ball hits it on his way. I didn't see the intent. The arms were in a fairly natural position for someone who's getting knocked out of the air. Um, yes, the ball hit his hands. Yes, his hands are going out. But I just I didn't see the intent. Uh, but give it to Red Bulls. They did shut out the Union in Chester. And under Armas, vast difference than what they've than what NYC have ha- NYCFC have had under Dom Torrent. Yeah, it's definitely been interesting the transition between Jesse Marsh and Chris Armas has been fairly seamless, honestly. I mean there there was a very, very light rough patch at one point during and that's about it. Now I will say this, give credit to the union. I, I don't have the stat in front of me, but I do remember reading that this was the first time since like twenty seventeen that Bradley Wright Phillips had been held without a shot on target. Yeah, I mean, that back line it's, has probably the one weak link, Ray Gaddis. Uh, the rest of the guys, you know, young, energetic, exciting. I wouldn't be too surprised to see McKenzie or Trusty getting some national team call-ups in the next two years or so. McKenzie got a U-20 call-up, did he not? And will be remaining with the union until they're eliminated from the playoffs or until the international break in November. He did, and he's captained the, uh, some of the youth sides before. So... Um, yeah, definitely. It's exciting if you're a Union fan uh, that the defense is, um, you know, young and exciting. There's 18-year-old Matt Real's potential new left back. Midfield, though, getting old. Madunian in 33-34. Bedoya is getting into his 30s. Dochkal's 31. So uh, we'll see if they can kind of model that New York Red Bull style of next, you know, next one to step up. Because the Red Bulls have been fantastic at just... You need someone to step up. You got the next guy who in line who could just continue the job of the person before him. Yeah, and that's what keeps them competitive now. So Atlanta tied points record with that win. Red Bulls are one short of it. Both still have three points on the table. One of these teams was likely to break the old points record, finish second in the conference. So that's pretty amazing. That that's a very likely scenario at this point is that both teams will end up having surpassed the points record, and only one of them can win the supporter shield. And I know it's still a pretty young league, but two teams. In one year, breaking the, the the points record is unheard of, I would say, in any other league. That is pretty crazy. So, uh, speaking of that other team, Atlanta United beat my Chicago Fire 2-1. Uh, Atlanta continued their path of dominance with a win over the uh, Bridgeview Fire. It secures their place in the 2019 CONCACAF Champions League with the aggregate table officially being closed for business. And next to Toronto, Houston, Sporting Kansas City, and the winner of MLS Cup. So we'll see who that last spot ends up going to. I'd say so far, it's a pretty good field of teams to send. Even Houston's not terrible. Better than Colorado, who we sent this oh. year. So, Yeah, it's not tough to be uh, better than that, to be fair. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah. I mean, some top teams, Kansas City, Atlanta, some not top teams, and Houston and uh, the Canadian champions, Toronto. But... Um, you know, even Toronto is a, a solid team. Houston would be exciting. I think it's more exciting to see Houston and Philadelphia in that group. 
Yeah. Uh, on the fire side of this, briefly, because it really doesn't matter anymore, but I, I thought they played relatively well. The most difficult in my environment, in my opinion, to play in, in this league. Uh, it was really nice to see Matt Polster get back out there. He's... I, I tell you what, I, I feel bad for him. He had that terrible rehab that he, he was supposed to be back in May, and then he had the setback, and now here he is just barely getting back on the field now before, just before the season ended. So good for him getting back out there. Hopefully it brings stability to that right-back position because heaven knows they need it. Andrew Carlton got the start for Atlanta. Always good to see him feature for them. No Almiro, no Vialba, but they did get Greg Garza back on the bench. That'll be big in playoff time if they can have their healthy left back and they'll have plenty of time to integrate him back into the team now. So Atlanta perhaps getting healthy at the right time, assuming they can get, you know, Vialba and Almiron back. Yeah, and I'm wondering if, you mentioned it's a respectable result for the fire. If we're seeing, you know, we were seeing a bit of a less dominant Atlanta team. They're still winning, you know, but not by four or five goals. I'm wondering if that comes down to fatigue, uh, teams figuring them out, or the fact there was no Almiron and Vialba who were very explosive players. Martinez had a chance, at least one, maybe two, that he probably be normally buried when he was in form i i could honestly i could see that being uh an issue if he does come out of form now which i know would be extremely harsh the guy scored th- what 31 goals this season it, it would be extremely harsh to to start bagging him now but at the same time right like this is this is crunch time so they are going to need him yeah. in the playoffs um so i mean luckily they'll get a buy to kind of get their guys healthy um but you know martinez should be having plenty of... I'm wondering if, again, is that slump, slump due to losing Almiron? So talented, but there's other guys who can step in at Atlanta. I mean, Barco, Gressel, Nagby. That should be enough influence if to pick up if one or two players are missing. I think even with injuries, Atlanta will be pretty tough to deal with in the playoffs because only one of those guys is needed to, to take a team down. That's true, and that's going to be very tough for any team to knock them off over two legs. The other games, uh, Montreal Impact 2, Toronto FC no, nil, <laughs> no apparently to Toronto FC, but that's fine, we should all be saying no to Toronto at this point. Uh, big news, by the way, though, forget forget the impact for a minute, Orlando won, 2-1 over the crew for the first time since July 14th, Orlando has won a game, three months later. And it has kept Montreal in the playoff hunt. It does. Crew is now in sixth. With a chance to fall out, they looked pretty comfortably in fourth at one point. They were a lock, I'd say. I don't know. I thought I certainly thought of them as a lock. Yeah, they were in a terrific position, and now they, you know, need a result in this last game. Meanwhile, Montreal. I mean, as much as DC has been great since the halfway point, Montreal are eleven five and four. Not bad. I mean, yeah, they. If it wasn't for that, truly, terrific. Not terrific opposite of terrific horrendous start to the season i think we'd be seeing them in a playoff spot right now well it is interesting because if you remember when we had that talk about mls playoff seedings and numbers right i did that math and i was like well okay generally in the era of six playoff teams i believe the number was 47 right the number was 47 in the east yeah give or take so it's interesting here that there is a world out there where the impact end up with 49 points and actually end up missing. I think what skews it this year is the fact that there hasn't been just one team that's been really bad. <laughs> There's been, and like no offense to, you know, Chicago and Toronto, and I, I do think that Toronto is a, still a talented team, but they have 33 points. Orlando has 28, Fire with 31. 
that kind of skews things upwards a little bit, I would say. It's 21 losses for Orlando. That's a lot of wins to be spread around the league. It is. It is. And, yeah, no, 18 losses by Toronto and the Fire both, respectively. That That's a lot. And they both teams, really all three of them, to be fair, went through stretches where they did not win for long periods of time. Yeah, and it's when that happens, you need long stretches where you do win. And unfortunately, I mean, Orlando had a six-game winning streak, but outside of that, they've had two wins, eight wins total. And this was one of them. So, I mean, even with that streak, you know, they've... Outside of that six-game winning streak, it's crazy that they're 2-4-21. and 21. Huh. Astounds me. That is that is actually remarkable. It really is. Uh, let's talk about how the East will shake up. So matchups for Sunday on Decision Day. Red Bulls, Orlando City, Toronto against Atlanta, NYCFC hosts the Philadelphia Union, the Fire actually get to host D.C. United, ugh. and Columbus hosts Minnesota, the only interconference game this weekend. This will be, it's interesting because it's a lot of, you know, it's almost like mirrored. Top plays the bottom, middle plays the middle. Um, I would expect uh, Toronto... Not Toronto. I would expect Atlanta and the Red Bulls to get it done uh, against teams that are basically already done, which means, uh, you know, I expect DC to get it done against the Fire, which means the Crew and the NYCFC Philly game are the two that kind of are up in the air in determining what's going to be happening. Agreed. I, I agree with everything you said. I do think that Atlanta get the job done in Toronto, the DC United get the job done here, and the Montreal New England game. Um, of course, I, I again, those are, they're right next to each other. New England's not really in the race. Unfortunately for Montreal, I see that one ending in a draw. New England, just, you know, as bad as they've been, they, they got a lot of draws recently. Uh, and the crew against Minnesota will be tough to, tough to jump. I, I, I kind of see this, this table staying the way it is. I, maybe a couple jumps here or there, five to four, three to four or whatever. I got to tell you the truth. I legitimately believe Montreal are going to end up in the playoffs after all of this. I, I feel so bad because Columbus got such good news with the news of, you know, saving the crew. And it, it looks like they, we were finally heading towards, we were finally heading towards, you know, having a, a, a decent crowd, I would assume, because they would all come back for that playoff game. And now they're in danger of missing the playoffs completely. I, I just, I got to tell you the truth. I do think I see Montreal winning that game against the Revs. And so, something about Minnesota, as bad as they've been away from home, I think they're going to spoil the party for Columbus because they, Minnesota can just get after you. And for me, they're going to want to play spoiler. Yeah, that's that could be a bit of a trap game for Columbus. Uh, and Montreal, I mean, they have, every, they have everything to play for, but they know it's on their hands. I can see them definitely wanting to get a, a win. The Revs don't exactly have the same spoiler party uh, mentality as Minnesota, but I don't know. It'll be tough. It will that, be. It would be quite something if it happened. Um, I can't help but think that the whole crew saved the crew thing uh, might have kind of killed some of the magic. <laughs> well, yeah, things will be very interesting. And, of course, we all know all the rumors sur- surrounding Burr Halter and the U.S. men's national team job. This could very much expedite the process because I think we've all kind of been working under the assumption that the season would at least go into one playoff game for them. So, again, a lot of things hovering around this team right now. Yeah, as it is, it doesn't even look like they're going to – it'd be almost impossible for them to get a home game. So, 
and it's possible, but I, it, if anything, I would say between a home game and getting eliminated, yeah, eliminated is more possible. So it's crazy how that, you know, we did think they were going to get that last home game, but out of sight at this point unless they can really pull it off. That's true. We move on to the West where we start with the LA Galaxy beating Minnesota United 3-1 in Minnesota. Zlatan said he was not going to disappoint a crowd in Minnesota that never has and did not disappoint. And he also mentioned that, oh, all these people are coming out, 50,000? Of course I'm going to play. Because yeah, he's quite the showman. To, they, they came to see Zlatan. Even Zlatan was able to fill uh, uh, Toyota Park. And he had that famous quote, I hear they uh, don't fill the stadium often. <laughs> they should, should bring come here, here more often. often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he is full of himself, but man, if he doesn't deliver. So, uh, did you see the way they introduced him pregame? I, no, I, I skipped over that video. There, there's a, there, there's a clip out there of them, like, you know, announcing the LA Galaxy players and everybody boos everybody, right? And so everybody gets a picture on the Jumbotron. Well, for Zlatan, they just put an image not found as if to say they, they have nothing on this guy. Ha! <laughs> Which... A little cheeky. It's a little too cheeky for a team with a defense this bad. Yeah, because uh, he had a goal and an assist. <laughs> that goal, they don't even mark him. He's just standing at the back post, and all it takes is them to just drop one on top of him. Uh, so if you don't, if you don't mark Zlatan, uh, I guess it's going to happen. I mean, it's part of the show. I'm sure the Minnesota fans were okay with losing. They have their new stadium next year finishing up, and they got to see Zlatan. Uh, put them out of their misery once again so awesome for the galaxy by the way awesome for them because this is this is it a win and they're in as the sixth and final playoff team in the west it's a pretty wild game though all things considered minnesota had a lot of chances to make it closer but they couldn't quite get the job done and it looks it was kind of one of those situations where we were just waiting to see which defense would break first and it was minnesota's as it has been a lot this season and give credit to dom Kinnear for what he's done with the galaxy defense uh, he's made Dave Romney and uh, Daniel Starez a, you know, a respectable backline duo who's been, you know, not bad, all things considered. So um, they're not suddenly leaking goals, and as much as they're not also, like, racing from the bottom like DC, they've been slowly and steadily inching their way into a playoff position ever since Seattle kind of went on that run and knocked them down. Uh, so now it's in their hands. Yeah, and credit to Dom Kinnear, whether they make it or not, because I, when when the when the hire was made, I was not, I was kind of puzzled as to why now, but hey, it worked, and I mean even if they don't make the playoffs, I got to give him credit because he's he's really gotten a new fire under this team, and he seemed to have found his a winning formula just in time. And I would say that he's kind of succeeded where Siggy Schmidt failed in his four four two formula. His two blocks of four has been working. And, I mean, the Galaxy just needed defense. That's what we said. Their offense is fine. It's one of the things you just got to shore up the defense first. A lot of teams in the league are like that. Shore up the defense, you have, a, you have a decent product after that, and the Galaxy is one of them. Yeah. So we move on then to Portland. 3 nothing win over Real Salt Lake. Real Salt Lake also got a 4-1 win on a Thursday. RSL will be the only team not competing on decision day because there's an odd number of teams. RSL had a chance to secure their playoff berth, but they come up one win short, and they're, now their fate is up to the Galaxy. Uh, this is about what I've come to expect from RSL, right? They have one dominant victory at home, and then they had to go away and get absolutely, you know, kind of slaughtered in Portland. 
and I know I've spent kind of all season ragging on them, right? Like, oh yeah, big deal. They're third in the West. Oh, big deal. They have a shot at a buy. Oh, big deal, right? And people were probably thinking, this man, this guy hates RSL. Well, here we are, right? At the crossroads of the playoffs, and RSL's got a real shot at missing out. Just saying. Yeah, it's not in their hands. Um, I mean, so we talked a couple weeks ago when this you know set of games was coming up. They had to play Portland twice, home and away. That that could very well decide their their playoff fortunes. Um, but I also want to you know go further back because oh. that will get a lot of attention. But uh, September sixteenth, one one draw at home to Minnesota, who is now again going on the road with a chance to play spoiler. If they'd won there, they'd already be qualified. And that's a game you need to win at home after they, what, put up six goals twice in a row at home. Yeah. So for them, it's tough. For Portland, uh, really settled down uh, and been impressive. I mean, they went into RSL and got a great result, and then they did it again at home. Yeah, things, uh, things for them, unfortunately, just have not have not been consistent enough because like you mentioned the two results back to back where they were they they turned on the fireworks turned on the style and one of them against the galaxy so they really they were really taken off and then they just they hit the gas they used the uh, parking brake while they were going 70 on the highway and created a massive pile up here and with a chance for la galaxy to just kind of sneak in it's not it's not great it's not great but on the other side portland has kind of teetered back and forth this season They've gotten enough results so they get in, and now they have a they can still get a home playoff game. And there's actually still a world out there where they could get the bye, but that that's probably not going to happen because it involves Colorado defeating FC Dallas and Seattle failing to beat San Jose. Going to call that unlikely. Yeah, but um, they only need one thing to go their way to get a home playoff game, though, not both. This is true. Um. Dallas and Seattle just uh, two and three points ahead of them. Uh, I mean, even if they do get and jump Seattle, Seattle doesn't get the result and loses to San Jose, I would still say that's not exactly a great position for Portland to be in. Well, Portland's basically stuck because it's going to be it's going to be tough to jump Seattle because again, I, I just don't see them losing. And then to jump FC Dallas, you'd have to jump their goal difference, which wouldn't be that difficult all things considered, which is pretty crazy to think FC Dallas could actually finish fifth. They have been struggling pretty big since the halfway point. Uh, Dallas in a tough position. Honestly, Seattle could jump them. And then my final prediction of Seattle making third would be true. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, you're licking your lips at that one. Oh, it's so close. And honestly, I think Portland will be looking forward to that because they could just narrowly escape playing Seattle. And hope someone else could take him down. <laughs> Agreed on that front. I wouldn't want to play Seattle anywhere. I wouldn't want to play them in a battleship in the middle of the Pacific right now. So that'd be that'd be pretty cool. I'd I'd like to play them there just yeah. because I could say I did. They do college basketball games like that. Maybe maybe we should try it in soccer too. Hey, whatever gets the fans in the seats, right? Absolutely. So Jer- I wanted to talk briefly about Jeremy Ibobise because it looks like they have another striker on this team <laughs> because in Portland. Can't seem to lock down that number nine position, having lost uh, Fernando Adi. With the magic of Samuel Almonteros having run out, this guy's an out-and-out striker, former U.S. 20 international, under-20 international, uh, fourth overall pick in 2017. Kid's got some potential, I'd say. What a better time to unleash him on the world than right now. Yeah, it's coming at a good time. As, as you, you you know hit the nail on the head, 
Armenteros running out of magic. He was great for a period of time, and he was just falling on his face. Uh, and so it's really important for Portland to have a number nine step up like that because when that does happen, it's it can be tough to get out of that. I mean, we saw with the Union, bring it back to them, CJ Sapong with three goals this year. They've had Corey Burke step into his place and kind of pick up where he left off. Um, I'm, I'm struggling to think of other teams that have had Mon- that kind of problem. Montreal. Montreal. Montreal's but, I mean, the poster child for it, to be honest. And they haven't had anyone really step up. They just decided that they're going to change their style and not rely on a center forward. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, that's that's got that's really big for them. I I just wondering if he has the ability of other number nines around them, uh, other guys like uh, Max Aruti, who is playing a bit further back for Dallas, Rui Diaz for Seattle. Or uh, Zlatan for the Galaxy. He, he might not be in that realm, but, you know, if it works, it works. It's been pretty successful so far. Kid's been doing a decent job. He's been putting in a shift. Uh, we'll see. We will see. He's a pretty physical guy, so that'll help. And you certainly need that when you're playing. And if they're going to continue with the Christmas tree formation, you need a guy who's going to be able to hold the ball up a little bit. Yeah, and he's his last game, he had a really nice assist. Great hold-up play and playing it wide. He doesn't get the assist on it, but he... You know, it's, but we're it's giving the him guy. the assist. We'll, we'll give it. We'll give him the American soccer assist. <laughs> uh, but he's the kind of. It's the kind of thing you need. Where he might not be getting the goal to assist, but he's heavily involved in the buildup. Yeah. So speaking of the struggling FC Dallas, three nothing loss to Sporting Kansas City at home. So it was a big game for the race for first in the West. Sporting KC's win puts them in the driver's seat for it, and nothing's for sure. But they did open the door for FC uh, LAFC. To steal it on the last day as well. Sporting KC has been impressive all year long. I don't think we need to harp that home anymore. They don't have any glaring weaknesses, in my opinion. And I can assure you, no one is going to want to play in Kansas City. So we could very well have, you know, the 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 West going through Kansas City. That is that would not be an easy task for anybody across two legs. Yeah, no, I mean, Kansas City strong beginning, faltered a bit in the middle, picking it up now. But Dallas, Oof. oh man, Dallas. Uh, in their last uh, 16 games, they're 6-4-6. Six, and six. Definition of mediocre. And that includes lo- losses to Orlando and two to San Jose and RSL. Um, the, the San Jose one is uh, like... It, the San, remember when that happened, we couldn't believe it. And then it happened and again. Happened again. <laughs> we couldn't believe uh, it. Uh, not good for them. I think we're set to see Dallas tumble once again in the playoffs like that year they won the Supporters' Shield and were so dominant. Um, teams like Seattle hitting the gas at the right time. Dallas is the kind of the Western version of NYCFC, just backing it in. And it's not really what you want to see if you're a supporter. You don't, and it's, it's so bad because, like, when we talked about Dallas earlier in the season, we mentioned that this team just, I mean, it's so resilient. And even, even during that stretch, they continued to stay at the top of the West and amazing to me that they finally have fallen off. And now they're in real trouble of falling out of that top uh, of the top three. And man, even like two weeks ago, that would have seemed kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they could not even host a playoff game. If a few things go against, uh, go to, against them is wild to be fair. Is it really that big of a deal for Dallas? I hate to do this, but, like, that stadium just never really gets full, does it? It's the, it's the Frisco suburb. It's really the Frisco FC, you know? Like, 
no, I get what you mean. It's, uh, I, I just think home field advantage, whether or not your team is filling the stadium, is important. Uh, just because of you know all the different factors. But I mean, they're not in a position where I would say they're just happy to be in the playoffs. I could see if they lose a lose their home game, they'll be so demoralized that they'll just get absolutely crushed on the road. Especially considering they'll be playing a Portland or Seattle. That's true. Yeah, I think their opponent would be the big factor here, uh, because I do think they're they're still a talented bunch, and they can they can face just about anybody. We've seen this season that they are good enough to take anybody on. It's just the issue is now they've come out of form, and I mean we have no idea what to expect from them anymore. Yeah, and I mean the form. The form is the problem. Again, yeah, they're probably one of the best teams in the West, right? Talent-wise. Yeah. I think they deserve to be the second seed, but it's it's just it's not happening about hitting right it at the right time. Yeah. It's not happening. So that just, it's crazy. The other the other action here, Houston Dynamo 2, Seattle Sounders 3, and Seattle also got a 2-1 win over Orlando City in Orlando on Wednesday. Quick halt in form. Seattle have since then won four in a row. Not out of the question they can get a bye, and I recall you, like you mentioned, possibly reaching third, and uh, I told you, nah, it's not going to happen, so uh, if we could slow that train down just a little bit, I would appreciate that, Seattle. Just a little bit. We're almost there. We're almost there. <laughs> uh, Houston almost did it. Houston almost cut him out. Houston but really da- did. I mean, Houston really it's did. It's more up to Dallas being poor than... I would say Seattle being that much great. I mean, Seattle has been great recently, but they have nobody wants they've them. Had, they've just had those two losses, right? And it's, um, and even the one against like the Union, for example, was just a Stephen Fry mistake in the 90th minute. So more down to Dallas struggling, but yeah, Seattle is one of the teams you do not want to face in the West, uh, and at least they won't be playing Toronto in the final. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> Yeah, probably best for everybody. Frankly, we didn't need to see that again. Uh, <laughs> final game, uh, final action, I should say. LAFC 2, Vancouver Whitecaps 2. Vancouver Whitecaps did lose 4-1 to Sporting KC on Wednesday. It was a solid effort for Vancouver. Season was on the line. And I mentioned this was my game of the week because I, I really did want to see how Vancouver played with you know all the chips on the table having to go for it. I, I have to admit, I was... Relatively impressed with their ability to go in and trade punches with LAFC. The issue, of course, is trading punches with LAFC usually doesn't end well for you, and it winds up with Vancouver on the outside looking in because the draw was not enough to keep them in the playoff hunt. LAFC themselves do miss out on a chance to put themselves level with Sporting KC heading into the last day, but this is now officially the most points by an expansion team ever. And I think it's fair to say, uh, despite all the attention Atlanta's gotten last year, LAFC deserves to be kind of the model um, expansion because it's not like you're going to fill 70,000 you can't expect to fill 70,000 seats every game at a soccer game uh, in America as it stands so uh, the fact that LAFC is a 22,000 capacity stadium it's full every day that they have a home game is great uh, flipping to Vancouver I mean it was it was the odds were against them playing Catch Sporting KC and LAFC at this point Yeah, the fact that they needed wins there was just too much. Um, it was they just needed to get it done earlier, and they didn't. Yeah, that's what happens. Unfortunately, when you're them, and they were so average for such a long time, they never really went on that run. You kind of need, or you can't really be average right now in MLS and make the playoffs because when you're average, you don't really have that run of form that you break off three, four wins in a row, and that kind of is where your season, you can say, took off. 
they just never took off. They just kind of coasted their entire way here. And like you said, now they needed that run because they were so they were so far behind and they couldn't get it done against these really good teams. Yeah, you need to get it done against the weaker teams. But, I mean, had they overtaken um, RSL and the Galaxy would have been, you know, quite amazing. So I'd say it's not – this is pretty much what we expected is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, so matchups on decision day. Start with the LA Galaxy and the Houston Dynamos, Seattle Sounders and the Earthquakes, Sporting KC taking on LAFC, Colorado Rapids hosting FC Dallas, and the Vancouver Whitecaps and the Portland Timbers. Oof. Quite the quite the final day. Yeah, um, we'll we'll see a uh, a fight for first. Um, unfortunately, I mean Dallas with the Rapids, they have to win that and keep their home game. It would be so ridiculous, I think, and it was it would. It would basically wrap up their season if they don't get it done there. If FC Dallas can't beat Colorado, they don't deserve a home game. It really is that simple now. Because you have to expect the Sounders will beat the Earthquakes. Same thing there. If they can't beat them, unfortunately, they just don't deserve it. Uh, And then with Portland with a chance against, you know, I would say a much more formidable Vancouver uh, to to jump them. Again, I don't see much happening here except for the probably the Galaxy jumping RSL. That Galaxy Dynamo game is going to be a cracker because you know Houston is going to want to play spoiler. Yeah, I think Houston runs out of gas though. I think they've been they tried to play ga- they tried to play spoiler against uh, Seattle and it didn't work. I they tried to play spoiler against LAFC and it didn't really work. The, I think they're going to be out of gas. I really do, and especially away at the StubHub Center. I think Galaxy get it done. I think Galaxy end up in the playoffs, and I'll have to apologize to Nate Smith personally for <laughs> cursing his RSL out of the playoffs. Or maybe demand an apology after apologizing yes. for saying, oh, I didn't give RSL enough credit. Well, it turns out I was right. Turns out yeah. I was right. I'm rescinding my apology. I think Houston is still kind of in the honeymoon phase of their U.S. Open Cup win. They're still kind of smiling big. You know, yeah, we won We won the first you know, silverware of the year. And they can walk out of the galaxy with a loss and still be like, yeah, well, look at what we have. Who's winning that Sporting KCLAFC game? I uh, so, so you sent me a um, a, a pick'em <laughs> right yeah a chance game. to win a I, trip to MLS Cup. I uh, I picked a draw for that one. Ooh, two very good teams going at it. High octane offenses. I think I would guess a one-one if I could put anything on the line. My gut's telling me that LAFC is going to win that game. LAFC is going to win that game in Kansas City. Jump to first and defy all expectations coming into the season when. I tell you what, like, but when we when we started talking about doing this and we started talking about the season coming up, LAFC didn't have a roster, <laughs> and now we're talking about LAFC number one in the West. That is incredible. I found it interesting. You can look back at uh, some pundits' predictions on LAFC. A lot of them had them out of the playoffs. Um, I, I remember us saying that without a roster, what can, we can't really know what to expect, but that if they do fill in a couple pieces here or there. They got a real shot at being real contenders. It's just to me, um, when we were talking about them, it's the top talent on the team that makes me believe that if, you, like you said, we talked about filling those missing pieces. They've done a relatively decent job at finding players to fill these roles. It, to me, that's what makes the difference because let's face it, Carlos Vela is more talented than everybody on San Jose, everybody on Colorado, everybody on Houston, everybody on Minnesota United, everybody on Vancouver. I that's that's five teams right there in your own conference, and that's not even talking about teams they get to play in the East. So, 
that I mean that right there is just helpful. You know, Diego Rossi, young talent. And then they've you know, Adama Diomande. You want to talk about someone that came out of nowhere. Yeah, and he kind of fall, fell off after that. But they do still have the rest of the talent with Blessing and Marco Sirena who can step up. Now we're saying, yeah, they got plenty of offensive pieces. Diamande's not playing? Yeah, we'll, we'll throw someone else in there. Yeah, Christian Ramirez, who was given to us for free, yeah. Yeah, we got, a, we got th- three strikers that I would say half the teams in the league would be glad to take any of them. Yes, they so. would. Well, you shall see. It's going to be a fun weekend. Can't wait. So before before we get to that, though, we do need to put to rest another team um, and celebrate the life of the Vancouver Whitecaps 2018 season. Only four points in their last six games leads to them being unable to push into the playoffs. Their defense, not great all season, 66 goals allowed, which is only three less than San Jose has given up this season, by the way. They're getting eaten alive at times. Their offense is actually all right. It's just it's just not enough. Yeah, I mean, I I think that uh, outside of the defense, they have at worst an average team. Kai Kamara is a a, a good MLS um, center forward. He always you know double digit goals is serviceable. If not, you know a bit of a head case wherever he goes. Obviously, Alfonso Davis, um, so exciting to watch. I think I'm gonna be watching that game just because I want to see his last MLS game. Um, you know, Jordi Reyna, Christian Teixeira, still some fairly talented players. They got Felipe from the Red Bulls as a decent midfielder. But that back line, man. Yeah, what is... That might be one of the... It's a terrible... four back lines. It's a terrible, terrible assortment of, of pieces, to say the least. I mean, uh, like, Breck Shea is a DP on this team. That's... That... Uh, that bothers me. And I know... And I know we keep bringing it up all year, but, like... It should bother people that Breck Shea is getting paid more than most people on this team. The other DP is Kendall Waston, a solid player, all things considered, but also apparently on his way out. So, because he wants out, at least according to reports. Yeah, and also, is he really DP level? I don't think so. He's a fine center back, but he's, you know, he's he, is he that much better to deserve DP status? Probably not. Tough. Probably not, but here's the thing. Now that's just another gaping hole. They already it's a, there's a, they already have a crater on defense, and now a meteor's come and hit that crater and created a second crater within the crater. If that happens, is this like the dinosaur extinction? Yes, that's probably what happened. I this think is, we have a theory going. This is how the white caps were melted. But I went through their defenders, and they just never really had any semblance of a back line. Uh, Henry started 13 games uh, at center back. Uh, De Jong. Um, average left back plays for the Canadian national team, 17 games. Levis, who is a supplementary player, 13 games. Aaron Mond, 10 games. Talk about a disappointment. And then only two people they could really rely on were uh, Nervitsky and Watts and Waston, 23 and 25 games. And then Aha came from a terrible Orlando defense. I don't know why they thought they could rely on someone from there. But that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven defenders rotating through. And the most any of them played was two thirds of the games this year. Yeah, that is that is not good. And uh, look, the new manager is going to have his work cut out for him. <laughs> good, good luck. Maybe they should bring Kevin yeah. Porter in. Yeah, I I think that's going to be kind of tough for Porter to go to a Cascadia rival from from Portland personally. Um, good coach, but uh, they'd have to offer him quite a lot to get him in. 
I wouldn't be surprised if they go the Matias Almeida route and try to bring in another foreigner. <laughs> Jose. He'll a foreigner who's not Carl Robinson. He'll fix, oh my God. He'll fix, uh, Jose will fix that defense right up. I mean, that's the thing is I, I think with a proper defend first mentality, you, you could see a front three of Jordi Reyna, uh, Alfonso Davis, and well, he won't be wow. there, but yeah. you could have seen it. <laughs> and Kai Kamara just running rampant. Launch it to Kamara, hold up play, and send the two on their way. That's the other. That could have been absolutely deadly. That's the other thing too. Alfonso Davis is their leading assister at nine. He's third in goals. He's made the most appearances. That that's a gaping hole they're gonna have to fix. That's a problem. I mean, it, there's so many problems coming into this team. Uh, the fact that they're average with that defense, without someone as talented as Davis. Uh, I don't know. This we'll could go to, either have way. A pretty big hole. We'll see how yeah. the offseason goes. This could go either way. So uh, I don't know if you are going to continue with the panic levels, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I, I actually, I'm just kind of shrugging my shoulders because this offseason is big for them. Panic level. We need to build a wall. <laughs> that team. If that team builds a wall, even without Davis, I think they have the attacking um, quality on the counterattack to, uh, to to be a playoff contending team. Build the wall. Fair enough, Vancouver. All right, before before we get done here, I I found a someone did a MLS table in dollars per point this season. <laughs> Toronto spent eight hundred and four thousand per point. Worth every penny oh, yeah. to have Michael Bradley trot around for ninety minutes. The fire five hundred and one thousand per point. Oh. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, Most of that goes to Schreinsteiger. It does. It does. And he deserved every penny of it. Uh, San Jose, 395,000 per point. Just (laughs) because they had so few points. (laughs) It wasn't even their payroll. The Galaxy, Uh, 364,000. I could live with that, actually. That's not terrible. Uh, (laughs) But it starts normalizing at this point. Yeah, Colorado, 347,000. And that's like to three guys. So that's pretty incredible. Orlando, 316,000. Let's go to the opposite side of the table. Let's let's have some more fun. The New York Red Bulls, the second most points in the league, only spent 118,000 per point. Amazing. Again, that's just another young kid to step up and take the place. Fantastic system. Even even Atlanta, 168,000. That's not that's pretty good. That now it's also, you know, a thing of having a lot of points, but that's pretty remarkable. Partially because, you know, they pay their stars a decent amount, but they also don't pay everyone else that much. Outside of their top five guys, I think the rest of the guys are basically making minimum wage. Hooray for capitalism. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap things up. But before we do, I'd say forget Europe. We got big news in the Americas. Because big I, I, news. This is not the first time we've brought this up, but this is the first time that it feels like there's a lot of buzz around this idea. And that is that the American Champions League could be a, the America's Champions League. The Champions League of the Americas? What do you think? Hmm. We'll have to work on that. The American Soccer Champion League? It should hmm. be modeled after our show. Oh, yeah. ah, yes, yes, yes. Okay. I see. Uh, brilliant idea. So, anyway, the, the rumors are out that... Liga MX and MLS will be joining the South American competitions in 2020 with the final of the Libertadores being hosted in the U.S. in 2020 and the Sudamericana being hosted in Mexico. And if you're unfamiliar, Libertadores is basically their Champions League and Sudamericana is their Europa League. Um, This escalated pretty quickly, actually. 
because very quickly it's this felt like just a rumor kind of floating around for a while now and suddenly it's okay this is how we're gonna do it this the money's gonna go up we're doing this because of the money if you read the article it's amazing because it literally just says the motivation here is purely money which is ah, i'm always happy to hear people just admit yeah it's all about the money it usually is to be fair um, but it's an exciting opportunity. I'd like to see the American MLS teams and Canadian MLS teams, to be fair, do a little bit better in uh, North America before we get too hasty. It's true. I, I think we we would like to win there bef- here before we go there. The Canadian teams, I was wondering if they would get included in this, and apparently the, the article I was reading said that they are considering sending the Canadian champions to South America, which is pretty remarkable to me. Because I got to tell you the truth. Now, Toronto and Montreal are the last two MLS teams to reach the final of the CONCACAF Champions League. So I wouldn't say it's undeserved, but that is still pretty crazy. Yeah, that one of those three teams just kind of gets to make a jump. Um, I mean, okay, so I'm going to backtrack a little bit with the Champions League. The, The reason why we haven't been good is because the Mexican teams. So it would be cool to see the Mexican teams compete because, you know, it's possible that they could really make a turn some heads in South America. <sighs> I think for the MLS teams, it's almost more a case of just like, just have some fun out there. Let's compete, guys. Well, I, Come let, on. Let me tell you something. I, I, you know, I was born and raised on Mexican soccer. So the thing about it for me, at least, you know, I want the MLS teams there, but I really want the League MX teams back there because they were there before. And growing up, when I had no idea how the calendar worked or wh- why we were playing in this competition at this time of year, right, et cetera, et cetera. Now that I'm older, it's kind of cool to go back and look. But Mexican teams competed in those competitions before, and they were relatively successful. When, you know, my team, Club America, was playing down there, I never really got the sense that they didn't belong. Now, granted, Club America never got past the semifinals, but they came really close. And I got to tell you the truth. Semifinals is a pretty big deal. And all, all that said, just to kind of put a perspective, look, every league has gotten better. You know, all the South American leagues, I would presume anyway, have gotten better. Mexican league has gotten better. The MLS has gotten extraordinarily better since that was like 15 years ago that I would remember watching Mexican teams in the Libertadores. I, I cannot imagine that the gap has gotten wider. So no, I do I don't think you'd be has. competitive. And that was a time when it was, you know, not every South American star was going to Europe for the big payday just yet. You know, it was a little bit more infrequent. Now it's, you know, once a player starts making a name for himself, they get shipped out to uh, to <laughs> Europe to give it a try. You know, it's the likes of like West Ham and uh, Southampton getting these international players. Not really Southampton, but you get my point. Well, West uh, Ham's apparently in on Melmuron, so... Yeah, so that's kind of not a thing that existed. So I would say it's it's been a great chance for Mexican and MLS teams to close that gap. And, um, yeah, it should be exciting. I, I, I would, it'd be cool to see, if that does happen, what happens to the CONCACAF Champions League. Because I would hope that that, I guess, becomes like your Europa League. Uh, here's the thing. The chance for other teams to compete, right? Well, all right. So here's here's one thing I will say. And I'll, I'll plug something I did because, you know, I, self, I'm – all about the self-promotion no shame whatsoever the uh i wrote a reddit post about this because i was i got bored and i was like well how would this work if they if they follow the model that the league currently has now and and the competition has now and all that if everything kind of stays the same 
without too many changes, which I kind of doubt is going to be the thing is going to be the how this goes. But in any case, I, I basically wrote up, you know, how qualification would work, who we'd be sending, what it would look like. So if you're interested, head over to Reddit, r slash MLS, and you can find it by searching Copi Loretta Lotus. You'll see it there. It's a highly upvoted post. It was actually fourth best at one point on the front page. Not to brag. Well, we, we, we put out some very strong content, so it's no surprise that our own Eric Alcantara would uh, <laughs> take that to the big time of Reddit. But yeah, yeah it's um, the more we hear about it, the more likely it seems to happen. Because of money, it's fine with me. <laughs> yeah, money. Money's a big deal here. I, I wanted to say to your point, to your question, how what would happen to the CONCACAF Champions League. When Mexican teams competed, the CONCACAF Champions Cup at the time <laughs> uh, did not lose any teams but the thing is the CONCACAF Champions League and the Libertadores actually worked in fairly well with each other in terms of calendar because the CONCACAF Champions Cup would start kind of where it does now and the Libertadores wouldn't start until late July so there was no overlap between the competitions so you could in theory send the same teams to both competitions it is a lot that will no longer be the case. Of extra soccer. That you, would be a lot of extra soccer. It is. It is. But you, you could not do that now because the competitions overlap. You're not. It's just not happening. So, I, honestly, I don't see CONCACAF letting us send the best, the very best. Uh, I, as much as that may grade some people and it may make people wonder why we're doing this at all. But at least in my opinion, and you can read more why if you go there. It's just it, they have a history of no, we need to protect our competition. We can't send the best, and that's I, I have to I have to respect that. How how is it that like our Central American teams really going to be okay with saying yeah yeah you send your best teams you you guys will still dominate this one anyway? Like really, you think that's going to go over well? <clears throat> yeah, um, and it makes sense from Concacaf's perspective. You still get your big stars, and it's still good for MLS because even if you're not sending, <clears throat> say the Atlanta Toronto's. Um, I mean, I guess it would be Houston and Sporting Kansas Cities of the world. You're still, you know, who, who's next on that list? LAFC, New York Red Bulls? Yes, that's exactly that's... it. Depending on who wins MLS Cup, <clears throat> if we were doing this next year, you'd be getting like FC Dallas, LAFC. Now, FC Dallas right now, I got to tell you, oh, boy, <laughs> that that wouldn't be pretty. But LAFC, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah, I think, I mean, Dallas has proven they don't really have much uh, effort to put into it, but, you know. The Union is the runner-up for the Open Cup. Yeah, it could be interesting to see these teams, even if they, you know, tend to struggle a little bit. Uh, one it's a, more thing. It's a good challenge. One more thing before we jump off this topic. Uh, if you think you've seen hostile atmospheres, go watch some South American games. You have seen nothing. Those are brutal. It, I, I tell you what, that would be amazing to see some of those players walk into that because they've never seen anything like that. So. Great stuff. Uh, national TV for this weekend is pretty straightforward. FS1's putting on Sporting KC and LAFC at 4.30 Eastern. They'll also, I believe, have whip-around coverage of all the games, so like they'll tell you what happens in every game. Kind of like uh, Jeff Shreves does and uh, FIFA. Cheers, Jeff. Cheers, Jeff. Yeah, exactly. That, that's that's kind of what they're going for there, although I'm sure they'll have video unlike FIFA. So. And there's only so many games you really would want to watch. You know, maybe your hometown team. Other than that, LA Galaxy, Houston Dynamo, or the uh, you know, maybe the the battle for the top of the West. That FS1 game would be pretty fun. Sporting Kansas City, LAFC. Yeah, match of the week for me. It's the LA Galaxy and Houston Dynamo. Uh, I have the LA Galaxy have to make the playoffs. 
I picked them to bounce back this season. I can't have both of my, you know, dark horse picks, so to speak, miss the playoffs. I'll be honest, I forgot who I have in the West, but I'm going to pick hometown pick Union versus NYCFC. Um, this game is going to decide who, if, you know, who gets a home playoff game in the East. Uh, Union have yet to win at Yankee Stadium. If they pull this off and get to jump to uh, third place, I think we'd be seeing NYCFC take a long tumble uh, and potentially lose out in that first game. It'll be a pretty big indicator of what's to come in the playoffs. I'm just picking the whip around show for the other one. <laughs> I don't care. It's the same thing, and I don't care. I, I'm really excited. This this could be a lot of fun watching the table shift around. I'm sure someone will have a gr- one of those cool graphs that like moves everybody around in position based on what happened at a certain minute in each game. So that'll be great. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Anyway, that is all the time we have this week on the American Soccer Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us and check out past episodes. You can find us on iTunes, Google, uh, Spotify, and Stitcher for all your American soccer needs. Make sure to leave a review, five stars, show us some love. Until next time, I'm Emmett McConnell alongside Eric Alcantor signing off.